Welcome to Style with Substance, a podcast by The Vendeur. I'm your host, Lucy Kebble. plus a few bonus episodes, we'll be talking about the myths and greenwashing that surround sustainable fashion. Join us for discussion with industry insiders, tips and generally geeking out on the glory that is ethical fashion. Welcome back to series two. Thank you for returning and if you're just joining us, welcome. It's lovely to have you. In this season, we are speaking to inspiring people about conscious fashion and lifestyle and delving deep into the nuances of living more sustainably. And of course, we'll be busting a few myths and uncovering some greenwashing along the way. By 2050, there will be more plastic in the ocean than fish. Now that's a shocking statement. I'd love to tell you that it's just a scare tactic to help you remember your keep cup in the morning, but unfortunately, it's a completely accurate prediction based on our current rates of plastic consumption. According to Greenpeace, we dump around 12 million tonnes of plastic into our oceans. Most of it's washed into the sea from land, making its way through waterways to end up in the ocean. Others are so small that you can't see them. Microplastics have been discovered in the stomachs of sea life. And so, inadvertently, as fish eaters, it's also in our stomachs too. Single-use plastic is undeniably a huge problem. But the good news is that you have the power to change this. If we all make some small changes and use less plastic, the result could be transformative for the environment. This week, I'm thrilled to bring you my conversation with Sophie Rist, founder of Agnes London. After watching Plastic Ocean, Sophie vowed to live a slower, more conscious and crucially less plastic-filled life. Her story is an inspiring one, And it's something she tells every day through her work with Agnes London. Not only does she produce incredible lifestyle products designed to help you use less plastic, but she also runs workshops, posts video tutorials and hosts her own podcast. All are aimed at inspiring and informing would-be sustainable living enthusiasts. So join us for my conversation with Sophie. Hi, Sophie. Hey. Hi, how are you doing? Yeah, good, thank you. Let's dive right in and let's talk a little bit about you and why you're speaking to us today. (laughs) Yeah, so my name is Sophie and I'm the founder of a sustainable lifestyle brand called Agnes London. Um, And Agnes London is basically a brand that is made up of products. I also have a podcast and I also have a YouTube channel. So it's kind of products and a platform as well. And the whole aim behind it is to try and inspire people to put the planet first in their everyday actions and to try and make living a sustainable lifestyle a little bit easier. Because when we think about it, you know, it can seem quite daunting. So we have the products that I make myself that help you um, make swaps in your life and reduce like the need for single use plastic. And also like some of them are just kind of a better alternative than what might be on the market at the moment. And then with the platform side of it, with the podcast, with the YouTube and under normal circumstances, I run events and workshops as well. Um, The aim there is education and connecting to a community of like minded people. 
Amazing. And can we talk a little bit about your about your background? Because mm-hmm. you've worked previously in fashion before you started Agnes. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, I did. So um, ever since like a really young age, I knew that I wanted to work in the fashion industry. I've always been quite creative and I've just loved clothing. Um, so I, you know, my kind of choices through school and everything were to go and study fashion. And I did a fashion design degree. And while I was studying it, I realized that I didn't want to do runway fashion, which I'd originally thought um, I wanted to do sportswear because I was getting more interested in the health and fitness aspect of life as well. So I thought um, designing sportswear would be a nice way to tie together my passion for health and fitness and well-being and um, my passion for fashion and design. So when I finished university, I went and worked for a sportswear company out in America. Um, and then I came back to London and I was working for a lifestyle um, apparel brand in London for a few years whilst also starting Agnes London on the side. Okay, so what inspired you then to make the jump from, a, uh, I mean, I, I wanted to say a cushy job in fashion, but <laughs> I've worked in fashion and I know that it's not not always that cushy. Um, what inspired you to make the jump to start your own business and to start Agnes London? So my, it was like a kind of, Agnes London was, it started and it started as like, a, this could always just remain something that I do on the side. Um, you know, I didn't ever really know whether it was going to grow into my full time job. And I'd been learning more and more about plastic pollution. And I felt um, moved to do something about it. And also, I think there's like, a, you think that working in fashion and the kind of title designer sounds really creative. It sounds really exciting. But the reality is I was spending most of my days just like resizing things on Illustrator and there was very little creativity. So Agnes London was my outlet outside of work to be creative and to actually like practice the life that I wanted to live and to feel like I was doing something for the issues that I was learning about. Okay. So it was almost sort of like a positive intention really. Yeah, yeah. And it helped me, I think, when I was feeling maybe like quite frustrated with the fashion industry and my day job, it helped to have that outlet to be, you know, to feel like I was actually doing something and I was actually trying to help and do something for good. Yeah. And you, so you hand make all of the products yourself. Mm-hmm. Yes. Wow. I do. That's amazing. <laughs> but Agnes is so much more than just handmade products. Mm-hmm. I was having having a little look around the Agnes London world and you like you were saying you do videos you have podcasts I love your DIY kits as well they're really um they're really cool so can you can you tell us a little bit more about why why you feel it's important to do all of these additional things instead of just making product and selling product because I believe and this kind of comes from my background within the industry and um being able to sew and being able to make my own garments. And even though I say that, that does not mean that I'm someone that like has literally sewn my whole wardrobe. I I am not, I'm quite lazy when it comes to that. Um, But I believe if we understood what goes into making products and we understood a bit more about the maker and the process of making garments, we wouldn't then go out and buy something for five pounds on the high street. Yeah, I really agree. Yeah, we would understand that it's so much more than that and when I was thinking about that and I was thinking you know it's quite 
difficult, I think, to be a brand in the sustainable space and be selling products. There's like a, there's a, there's a kind of a, a fine line between, well, I need to sell products to make money, but also I recognize that the world just doesn't need more products. And yeah. as consumers, we don't just need to consume more. So I was like, uh, what, what can I do that complements, you know, I can still have these products there. So because you're always going to get people that um, don't want to make something themselves or don't have time to make something themselves and they will go out and buy it. And it's still good to have an option there where they can, you know, support a small brand, buy something that's ethically made using sustainable materials. But what can I do to support those people and have a bit of education um, around what actually goes into making something and also with the podcast as well like what it actually takes to start up a brand um a lot of the people that I interview on the podcast are uh, like myself they're founders and so I try and highlight what goes into running a small brand and why we should support those small businesses as well um and with the workshops and the YouTube I wanted to um, I feel like a lot of us have like sewn at school. Um, maybe we did textiles at school. Maybe we did, um, you know, some other kind of hands-on thing. Maybe we did used a bit of sewing machine and art and then we haven't touched it since then and we wouldn't even know where to start. So the workshops, the aim is to give people that confidence that you don't really need a lot of skill and you don't really need a lot of equipment, but you can have a go. You can tackle those repairs in your wardrobe. You can tackle an upcycling project um, and you'd be surprised at how well the end result turns out. And, you know, you may have just diverted that um, garment from landfill and prolonged its life in your wardrobe. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I I picked up a darning needle for the first time last okay. year and I actually really enjoyed it. I mean, mm. it took me hours, <laughs> an embarrassingly long time, but I, I really, it was almost kind of a bit meditative and... I quite liked the outcome um but then someone pointed out to me that I was sat darning cotton socks using nice darning wool and they said maybe you should leave that you know the hard work for for nice wool socks yeah. <laughs> which is a very, is a really good point but um yeah I really urge people to to try things like that because mm. I'd never done darning before but it's it's actually an incredibly simple just repetitive task mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. there's something really satisfying about having done that yourself um and I think as well a lot of the times when you buy garments on the high street and from high street stores they're not actually that well made um, no they're terrible so if you kind of podge something together yourself and you know where the mistakes are chances are when you're wearing it other people don't know that they think it's yes. perfectly good to them yeah that's a good point yeah, so, yeah I'm just... constantly cutting long threads off of things and thinking <laughs> god this has been really poorly finished hasn't it mm, yeah yeah a lot, a lot of things I see like whenever I do go into shops and I don't really do that that often but I think god I would not sell this this would not you know I would have unpicked this and done it again but this has passed someone's quality standards and is now on the rack yeah, it would be interesting to know what um, the quality standards of various brands would be. But mm. then I think that we, the, we, this would be us going off on a on a massive tangent yes. now. <laughs> Conversation at a different yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so what sort of materials do you use for your products? Because 
you use quite interesting materials, I think, uh, and I, I'm going to refer specifically to the um, the oil skin lunch bags that you have. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, they're one of my absolute favourites. That's uh, quite a recent um, material discovery on my part. When I started, I was trying to keep it as simple as possible, and it was just cotton, organic cotton. Um, I didn't really use linen too much because um, the linen is quite expensive to buy Mm. um so i didn't start off using linen and then i kind of explored upcycled materials as well and um i make a lot of stuff out of upcycled materials old shirts things like that i found that when people know that you're into upcycling they just start to like give you all their things that have got holes in or things that they don't want anymore so you can go away and turn them into something um, so yeah, as much as possible, I try and choose organic cotton. Um, unfortunately, organic cotton isn't always the easiest to find in everything. Um, so there are some cases in my product range where I do have things that are just made from cotton. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's like a a good, better, best scenario. Um, you know, something being made from cotton, in my opinion, is still better than it being made from polyester. Um, something made from cotton that's designed to last and designed to be used for years and years that's uh, you know made a quality item is um, better than something that's single use and for sure yeah yeah and um, in the beginning of the spring I launched a new collection and I actually did some more fabric research for this and I've launched we've got a lot more linen and some tensile which is my absolute favorite um I think can I you tell it. us a bit more about tensile yeah oh I should have uh <laughs> should have got some facts prepared for this but um <laughs> yes tensile is a, quite a sustainable material as I understand the tensile that I've got blends really well with cotton and with linen and I as far as I understand it it's quite a fast growing crop that doesn't use a lot of water yeah I'm um, pretty sure that that's that's what yeah. I know of it as well yeah so it's kind of hailed as like a an eco-friendly sustainable material and I've seen um it being used in quite a variety of fabrics that I have it in a nice twill that I make my aprons out of but I also know that there's sportswear brands that use it and things like that as well so I think it is quite adaptable for different end uses yeah I've seen it used in a lot of different ways as well mm. and can you because I I don't know what oil skin is, so can you can you elaborate a bit about about the oil skin and why you chose it for the for the lunch bags? Yeah, so I wanted a fabric that was water resistant um, for a lunch bag, and that you could kind of mould into a shape. Like um, my lunch bags, they have like a roll down top, so I wanted you to be able to roll it down and it hold that shape for um, you know for the for the day. Mm-hmm. Um, so the f- fabric that I've got is an oil skin, which I believe is a cotton coated in a vegan oil skin. Um, oh, so, okay. yeah, so it's not too waxy, but it is quite a nice structured fabric and, um, it's made in the UK, the one that I've got, um, from like a quite a high quality oil skin. Um, and you can also top up the oil as well. Um, over time, so say you're using it for a jacket or something like that, you could re-oil it to 
I guess, give it that kind of water, you know, to top up its water resistance. Yeah, I guess it it reminds me a little bit of the beeswax fabric that you can uh, that you can buy to use instead of cling film. Yes, yeah, it's not quite as rigid as that. Um, you know, it's still quite a nice supple fabric, um, and yeah, and obviously the beeswax is not not everyone would go for beeswax because it's not vegan. Um, mm. So yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, from my point of view, I so personally, I am vegan, but when I choose fabrics, I try and choose the option that um, caters for most people. So in that case, I would even if I wasn't vegan, I would choose the vegan fabric because you'll get people that aren't vegan that will buy it and you'll get people that are vegan that will buy it. Yeah, and I think a lot of people probably wouldn't be aware that, you know, apart from something being made of leather, there are a lot of fabrics out there that aren't vegan. So mm. that's interesting to know that. And and obviously we talked about the um, the fact that you, you're making these items to allow people to not use as much plastic in their lives. Mm-hmm. What, what was your kind of, what was the vision behind doing that? why do you why do you think that people should make these swaps um I think there is an argument for the fact that plastic is absolutely everywhere and it's really hard to avoid and you know I think a lot of people will acknowledge that we do have a problem with plastic pollution um and I think especially now like um just walking around and going to parks and things like that because obviously that's where a lot of people are socializing like it's quite disgusting the amount of litter that is still being left around. So I think um, a lot of people acknowledge that we have a problem with plastic consumption and plastic pollution. And a lot of people will say that it is on an individual level, there's not a lot we can do about it. And it is down to companies and governments changing, which yes, it totally is. But also as individuals, we have responsibility over our actions and we can vote with our wallets And if we can, whenever possible, choose the package free option and, you know, show to the supermarkets from what, you know, what's what's affecting their bottom line, that we don't want that plastic packaging. We want to we want our vegetables to come loose. And we you know, if people start moving away from buying like plastic toothbrushes and buy bamboo toothbrushes, that shift in consumer habits will signal to those companies and the government that us as individuals, we want change. We don't want to just keep buying plastic. So um, I, back in 2015, I watched Plastic Ocean, which is still on Netflix, and it's really, really eye-opening. And then I got very into um, following people like B. Johnson from Zero Waste Home, um, Lauren Singer from Trashes for Tossers and the founder of Package Free Shop in New York. And for me, that kind of, it really made it seem like it was achievable that, you know, before then I would have thought that um, avoiding plastic and a zero waste lifestyle was completely alien and it was completely barking mad. But seeing how um, these women went about it and seeing, um, reading these books, made me really realize that there was a lot of things that I could do in my everyday life to reduce my plastic consumption and not just plastic as well like um reduce my 
consumption of all different types of packaging you know this is kind of a whole different conversation but um what we put into recycling doesn't always end up getting recycled um Mm. but and a lot of people when they hear what I do and they hear about my work they say to me oh yeah we recycle and it's like that's great but it's not really enough you know we need to kind of be first of all we need to be refusing and reducing before we're recycling you know even repurposing is better to a certain extent than recycling yeah um so yeah so that's kind of how I started Miss London because I made my I had lots of fabric left over from my fashion design degree and I was thinking wow it's a real shame that all this fabric is just going to waste and at the same time I was also thinking about um how I could reduce plastic so I made myself some um grocery bags and then I just took a picture of them and put them on Etsy and I was like well if I need them and I use them you know other people will too and I made some for like gifts for friends and family and and yeah it just grew and my product range grew from things that I wanted you know things like um reusable makeup wipes and stuff like that things that I was reducing in my lifestyle and wanted an alternative yeah I think that it's quite amazing you have you have so many different options on the website and it's for everyone who's maybe just looking for a different way to eat their lunch each day Mm -hmm. or you know maybe they're more willing to make a bigger a bigger change in terms of like you were saying your reusable cotton pads and the um I really love those reusable muslins that you have and and things like that it's when you start looking at what you use throughout the day it's so interesting to see what can actually be substituted for something that's reusable and it's stuff that our parents and our grandparents were doing years ago I think I all of this plastic use and all of this, all of this temporariness in in our products is something that's relatively new to us, and we just kind of need to get back to that way of life. I think. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, the more I look at it, the more I think that we need to go back to how things were. In a way, you know, we need to make do and mend. We need to go to our, and this is this definitely isn't achievable for everyone. And you know, I'm not saying that everyone has to do this because on so many levels it's um you know there's so many different factors to come that come into it but if we could go to our local greengrocer and buy our fresh seasonal veg and then if you're someone that wants meat and cheeses and stuff go to like your butchers your dairy your bakers and obviously like our lifestyles do not really allow for that at the moment most of us don't barely have time to go to the supermarket um let alone and obviously at the moment the situation is slightly different but if we, yeah, if we went back to the way things were and we kind of connected with what's local to us and supporting local businesses around us. And, you know, if you are buying from a local business and you can say to them, hey, look, I don't really want to keep buying all this in plastic. Um, chances are you're speaking to the owner or someone that has, you know, has the ear of the owner and can actually make a difference. If you said to um, the cashier in the supermarket, I don't want to buy all this plastic, they'd probably agree with you. But realistically, it's probably not going to go that much further than that. Um, so yeah definitely things need to go back to the way they were and um, yeah like you say with my product range I think I always want my products to be a conversation starter as well I think it's very important that sustainable products also have a are like really aesthetically pleasing Um, I know in the past like I've been guilty of this I've had a reusable coffee cup and I've just not really liked it so I've never ever used it Um, 
but now I've got my keep cup I've had it for two years it comes everywhere with me and it's because I really like that item that I actually remember to take it with me that's why I have like all the bright colorful bento bags and things like that as well it's like if you enjoy using this item in your everyday life the chances are you are going to use it more and more Oh, definitely. Well, I think it can be the same said for uh, sustainable fashion companies mm. in that you, you have to be producing a product that people actually like the look of. And, you know, it, it can't just be functional and it can't just be, you know, serving an, an, an eco-friendly, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Ticking like an eco-friendly box. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Tick, just ticking that box that, okay, this doesn't have any plastic in it, but it's mm. ugly as sin and no one's going <laughs> to want to use it. But I really love on your, um, on your cloths, you have those pretty borders on them and, and things like that. And I think that that's really key to, like you were saying, start conversations, because I know that if my friend was using something like that, I'd say, oh, that's, that's really cute. What is that that you've got there, you know, and we could then start having a conversation about not using Mm. wet, I mean, you shouldn't really use face wipes anyway, but um, not using face wipes and not using disposable cotton pads, because this way is so much better. Exactly. And also the people that are fully committed to living a low waste lifestyle, um, you know, completely zero waste, they're almost not my target customer. Like I almost want the people that are on the verge of change or haven't really even thought about, you know, making changes, but they've, you know, like you say, you've had a conversation with a friend and they're like, actually, yeah, I can see myself using something like this in my lifestyle. And then that opens up that whole other conversation about, well, you could also try this as well. And um, yeah, you need to, you need to get the people that are, that haven't, you know, the people that are fully committed are already there. They're already, yeah. you know, ready to do the work and to make the changes. Yeah, for sure. No, that's a really good point. I like that. Um, I really love the various different collaborations that you do. Um, you, obviously, you were saying that you're you're about a zero waste lifestyle, but coming from a fashion background, I'm sure you probably couldn't help getting involved with a few different fashion brands. And you've done some really beautiful um, uh, headbands with Sabina, mm-hmm. and you've actually just has it has it just started? I don't I don't want to say too much if it hasn't. <laughs> yeah, no, um, it has started. We're well yeah, on the way. <laughs> Yes, yeah. So the um, collaboration that you've done with um, Charlie from CC Creative Wardrobe, mm-hmm. um, in which you personalise vintage pieces for people, and Charlie sources those vintage pieces if if people would like to go down that avenue. Um, what is it about these collaborations that you enjoy, and do you have any more coming up that you can tell us about, or is that all under wraps? Um, I don't know that I have too many coming up, but. I think for me, I re- you know, I work from home, I work on my own. So the opportunity to kind of to work with someone else and to have a conversation with someone else around a piece is, I think, is really good for me um, as a person. And also creatively, it's really fun to be able to bounce ideas of other people. And yeah, my background is fashion. I always, always kind of have that draw back to the fashion industry. Um and I think like with the Sabina um, collaboration, for example, you know, they have such gorgeous fabrics and they're so fun to work with. And it gives me that opportunity to work with them and to be creative in that respect, but without having to um, source those fabrics. 
and also it works out for me because it's quite a sustainable way for me to get them you know these are their off cards and it works out for them because they are obviously a brand that are quite rooted in sustainability as well and they don't want fabric off cards going to waste and with the Charlie collaboration that just kind of I think we just met up for a cup of tea and got carried away um, <laughs> <laughs> and that's how that happened um, so Charlie is very similar to me she has a lot of ideas and so this this was the we I think we had quite a few ideas and this was the one that's actually um, made it through to the final stages and it's been such a fun project to work on for me as well um, embroidery is not something I do a lot of but it's been um, really fun, especially over the last few months when, you know, the UK has been in lockdown. There's not been much else to do for me to get stuck into a new skill and get better at a new skill. And I really love the idea that these pieces are secondhand. You know, we are not creating anything new, but we are creating something new. Um, you know, we're creating something new and will be treasured and has so much more of a meaning to the person that ends up with this treasure because we're like, you know, they're initialed um, they've worked with Charlie on the sourcing process for the piece that they wanted. So it has a real personal connection by it, behind it. And it's a real like slow fashion story. Um, and honestly, I think I have this internal like debate with myself on a daily basis that Agnes London is not going to turn into a fashion brand. Um, <laughs> but, but honestly, it gets quite close. <laughs> so, yeah, I think there's, there's something inside me that just wants to make clothes and just wants to still wants to be part of the fashion industry, a better part of the fashion industry. Um, but yeah, for the foreseeable future, we're, I'm not doing clothes. <laughs> <laughs> okay you heard it here <laughs> well I mean they are they are they are such beautiful collaborations and you know I think anyone would absolutely love to own something that you've made using off cuts and vintage pieces it's just like you say it has a really beautiful story um well thank you so much Sophie for for speaking to me today it's been really lovely to to chat to you about like the many different facets behind what you do so and yeah, I think we'll be we'll be probably waiting with anticipation to see what your what your next move will be. <laughs> you can call me up on it if it's if I'm like here's my range of dresses. <laughs> like, You'll be like, I'm gonna do that. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for having me on, Lucy. It's been fun chatting to you. Oh, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Sophie and that it sparks some of your own. Maybe it inspired you to make a small change this week and swap plastic for something reusable. We have some helpful hacks on the website which we'll link to in the show notes to give you a hand. We'd love to hear how you get on, so don't be shy. Are there any topics that you think we should cover in season two? Or any guests that you're dying to hear from? Why not slide into our DMs on Instagram? We're at Fashion. Or you can find us online and our website is thevondeur.co.uk and you can drop us an email there. You'll find all the links in the show notes. And of course, please subscribe and leave a rating or review so that other people can find us. See you next week for some more sustainable myth busting. Mm-hmm.